Do you want to see the best ever step-by-step -step video for how to place a fixed retainer completely stress-free? Then this is the episode where it's gonna happen. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career. With your host, Jazz Gulati. Welcome back, Patricia Ranti, to this episode on Fixed Retainers. We're continuing with that author theme. Like, I really hope you enjoyed and gained so much value from that IPR techniques video. Like, we and the team, and I say we, it was a team effort to, to put this video together. And it's been so great to see your comments and your feedback on Instagram, on YouTube comments. So please keep them coming if you found that video useful. In this one, I'm going to make a, another bold promise, okay? The video that will be part of this podcast. So if you're one of my loyal listeners, I appreciate you. If you're new to the podcast listening, thank Thank you so much for joining from wherever you are in the world. Uh, this podcast will speak to Raj Jabal about the different ways, the different fixed retainer types available. Is there a superior one? Is it a case that Raj Jabal, the specialist orthodontist we speak to, does he always place a fixed retainer? Uh, or is there a place for removable retainers only? So we'll talk about the sort of daily conundrums that we have when we're deciding on the recipe for retention, uh, which is unique to every patient. Let's not forget that retention should be a unique thing based on the patient, based on the initial situation, uh, because the initial situation, the crowded state, is the most stable state. So if you're watching on YouTube, great. Uh, I will have a video step-by-step step, made by Cap Tactics, which is just the most beautiful video you'll ever see of, of someone applying a fixed retainer. It really, really helps make it tangible. Uh, and what I'll be doing is I'll be jumping in and out of that video uh, and just giving you my sort of little pointers here and there, okay, why I might disagree with some parts of that video and how certain parts are just so mind-blowing and so much better than the way I used to do it. But again, if you're listening, then don't worry, I'll make sure that you'll have a, an easy place to click onto. So wherever you listen, that you can jump straight to that video uh, and watch it, but you'll still gain so much more from the conversation with Dr. Raj Jabal today. Before we join the main episode, let me give you the protrusive dental pearl. So you know that thing where if we only had one wish, what would that wish be? Well, we all know that one wish should always be that I want unlimited wishes. So if I had to give you just one pearl right now, it would be that I want to give you access to unlimited pearls. So how am I going to do that? Well, you need to check out my email newsletter. So what you're going to do is you're going to head to protrusive.co.uk forward slash emails. That's protrusive.co.uk forward slash emails because on there, you get a sample of some of the emails that I've sent out and the goodies that are in those emails, but you'll also then get the opportunity to sign up to my email list. Why is that important? Because the app is coming soon. Like we are so ready. Like this has taken us months of hard work to put together the Protrusive app. Uh, and I hope that just as much value as the episodes give you, the app will make it go so much further. Like it has this section called Centric Relationships, which will have different little offers uh, and, and, and courses that you can enroll on with a discount code. There'll also be sections where you can actually get certificates for all the videos that you watch. So you can now uh, learn, but also get the certificate that showed that, okay, this is an account towards a credit as for your CPD. So sign up to all that, go to protrusive.co.uk forward slash emails uh, and I look forward to having you on my email list and uh, I will copy email you around about every two to four weeks. Let's join the main podcast and at the end of this video uh, will be the fixed retainer video step by step, the one that I'm, I'm hyping up so much. It truly is fantastic. I'm also going to upload it on YouTube as a standalone. I want to make sure that it's really easy to find because uh, it's one of those things, fixed retainers, that I have not always been 100% confident with them, but after watching this video and after this podcast 
episode where we discuss the rationale behind the exact wire that is um, that has been used to make this video uh, and how to get the, the little bends perfectly placed using the tucker. That's all sort of described in the conversation with Rajabal. Let's kick that off right now. Rajabal, uh, specialist orthodontist, welcome to the Patricia podcast. How are you? Uh, thanks for having me. Very well, thanks. Uh, it's, 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 it's you and Rohit. Rohit's going to have his own little episode. Uh, I've been so excited to get uh, both of you on at some stage. Uh, you've taught me so much already. It's been great to be part of the Kef Tactics team uh, teaching. Uh, so the bit I do, guys, is uh, I teach about how patients can stop from chewing up and breaking their retainers mm. and uh, screening for TMD and when to treat and when not to treat when we're looking at uh, joint issues. Uh, so thank you for having me on the team to do that. Uh, Raj, just for those who may have never heard of you or seen you before, give us a little bit a uh, brief background of what your interests are, where you work, and how Kef Tactics came to be. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm a specialist orthodontist and uh, I've been working in private care mainly for the last around about 10 years odd. And uh, specifically, my interests have always been around growth and development. Uh, maybe genetics, stability, and relapse almost came into that and fitted really well into that specific uh, uh, idea. And, and uh, the enigma of all of this is that we don't really understand it very well. And that's what really made me more excited about it. Because in, in orthodontics, you can make things very mathematical and succinct and A plus B equals C and then suddenly growth comes around and it's like a, the demon in the, in the back and uh, you only start to understand more about growth the more and more you see cases of yours going let's say topsy-turvy you know and that's when you start to question it more and more especially when you start to look at things like genetic uh, factors as, as well and you ask around to the parents and how, how tall are you and how tall is your your dad and and where are you from originally and all these little aspects which come and knit together in orthodontics i think this is a really big really interesting thing which i would love to poke around more in well raj talks a lot about uh, genetics uh, and and the bigger picture kind of, kind of stuff phenotypes and whatnot he's the only guy uh, who i've sat through a lecture and he starts talking about how colombian teeth are different from japanese teeth are different from estonian teeth etc etc he's he's quite a, <laughs> he's quite a special <laughs> character in that sense so it, what his knowledge is uh, Limitless, honestly, the amount of stuff, uh, metaphysics that you know and stuff like that, genetics, is it, crazy. Yeah. Uh, so at the moment you're teaching a dentist about how to um, implement uh, orthodontic practice safely um, yeah. and you do a whole like a 10 day, pro, 10 day yeah. plus program. So a 10 day program with lots of assistance on the side. We do some uh, Zoom sessions as well and all these other bits and pieces, but the 10 day meet in the bone, that's what we want. We want the guys to come in and you know, whenever we look at a lecture, we want to have enough meat on the bone that you actually go back famished okay for more amazing i love that philosophy now today this episode is very much about fixed retention it's a big bugbear uh, maybe in this i know in the yeah. specialist community because I'm, I'm part of a few yeah. facebook groups with loads of specialist orthodontists on it yeah. uh, and it's a it's a real uh, annoying thing yes. uh, that uh, orthodontists find and also uh, gdps i find it super super fiddly and in in, in preparation for this episode lunch yeah. Uh, you, you saw the Facebook post I made uh, yeah. to the protrusive dental community. I said, look, we find fixed retainers really annoying, yeah. really fiddly. How can we make it easier for GDPs? And just yesterday, I, I, I placed a, a lower fixed retainer, went fine, and I had a challenge in the upper one. Mm -hmm. And I want to pick your brain uh, about that. Before we get to that, I'm going to go in a structured order. Yeah. And you're about to be doing a lecture now just on uh, fixed retention and hands-on on models. Yes. Uh, you get your delegates to place fixed retainers, which I think is amazing to be able yeah. to do that uh, on yeah. the models. Uh, so if anything, that ask you is covered in that lecture yeah then don't answer it now because i'd rather oh, just extract it from I that understand. so firstly um, i'm going to ask you do you routinely use 
fixed retention, i.e. as part of your specialist plans that you do, uh, that which may be uh, more elaborate, more uh, pushing the boundaries compared to yeah. GDP perhaps, yeah. do all your patients get a fixed retainer and a removable or is it customized to each individual? Yeah, I mean before what I used to do is, uh, it, it was a blanket statement and uh, I used to have fixed retention in the top and bottom arches and removable retainers for everyone. And, uh, and now, slowly but surely, it's, it's becoming more and more of a situation where you're, the fixed retainer in the lower arch is by far more important than the one in the top. And, uh, you know, lots of patients, require, they want it. They, they say, no, they, uh, the, the idea is that a lot of these situations are customized. And I work with a clinician, Ines Fubeck, and mm -hmm. she's a specialist uh, orthodontist uh, trained in New, in New York. And she's, right now she's on the FACE program in, uh, in, in Spain and Italy. And uh, you know, the most important aspect of their treatment has always been, did you get the occlusion right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did you get the bite right? And that's more important than both the retainers put together. And that's starting, stability, right? Yeah, that stability. contributes to stability. And so, I mean, I still will, probably most of my patients will get out of the kitchen sink sent to them. But, uh, you know, when I'm So most will get fixed tenor and, and remote, 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 as a blanket. Yeah. Top and bottom or? Top and bottom. Okay. Uh, but in the upper arch, I don't usually extend it to the canines as much, mm -hmm. unless I brought a canine down from, from the heavens or something as such, you know, that sort of thing. You know, but most of the time. I think most of the time you're looking at that, but I'm dipping my toes into being a little bit more brave. Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax-deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We've worked so hard on this Protrusive team and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. And I think I would be okay because I had a patient yesterday only and he said, Raj, I want this fixed retainer off. And I said, look, I love your teeth. They look fantastic. I don't want to take it off. He says, no, Raj, you know that they're not going to move. And I'm like, okay. Christmas present this year, I'm going to take off your fixed retainers. And even my receptionist said, are you serious? <laughs> I said, yes, he's our experiment <laughs> to make sure that the bite is right at the end. Okay. Yeah. So um, what the angle you're really coming from is that there is a belief that if you get the bite right and you get the correct um, incisors in the right angulation yeah, with yeah, each other, yeah. um, you know, incisor mm -hmm. edge to the uh, cingulum, yeah. uh, and you have your setup correct, that yeah. maybe that is a huge player yes. uh, in, in stability in orthodontics. Uh, obviously, we have soft tissue factors yeah. as well to consider. Yeah. We can get into the tongue yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. But the answer, I guess, the, 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 the main answer is yes, you are on the whole. Yeah. Most patients will get fixed and removable. Removable, yeah. Okay. So, what is the best type of fixed render? Is there a best type? So, the ones I've used in the past, like the GDPs out there listening and dentists, uh, chain. So this is the one that was taught in my diploma, but I know Raj feels very strongly negatively towards the chain, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure he will add that. And, and actually, Mandeep uh, Gossal on the Facebook group, he actually mentioned that he only uses it for the lower because he's concerned about 
uh, relapse on the upper mm-hmm. in his experience. So I've used a chain. I find it really easy, yes. so easy yeah. to yeah. place a chain, almost too easy. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. and then that's and it was also taught to me in my diploma, and I started yeah. doing it. The other ones is the braided, uh-huh. okay, and then there's uh, the the flat. So it's yeah. like a like a rectangular, yeah. uh, not rectangular, but like two D re- rectangular. Basically, one, basically, yeah, yeah, like a ribbon type of like, like a ribbon. Yeah. Are there any others I've missed out? Uh, I'm sure there are weird and wonderful yeah, ones. Is it, so the most ones the GDPs will use. Those are the main ones. I mean, of course, you get the cast ones that have been used all throughout uh, the older days. You know what I mean? So, I mean, the first fixed retainers were actually matrix band, you know, okay. with lots uh-huh. of holes in them. You know, remember the Toffelmeyer and all that? Okay. Stuff? So people were, uh, were using them and they used to just shape them and make lots of holes. But when you look at them, like the coaxial types, you got the twist flex, you got um, the, like the ribbon version, uh, which is multi-stranded as well, but flattened in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, I'm always very careful with the round uh, twist flex yep. because the, these are really, really important uh, uh, wires uh, to know the metals behind it because they can actually unravel. And if they unravel, you start getting this warpage and you convert your retainer into an orthodontic appliance. I've and seen that. Dangerous. It's disheartening. Yeah, I've seen yeah. that. I've seen it in personal communities. Yeah. I've seen it in my own patients yeah. who I've reviewed. Yeah. Not, not the patients I've placed on yeah. because I don't actually tend to use that retainer, but I've seen the consequence of it yeah. and I'm sure you guys have as well. It's yeah. a, and, uh, and one of the questions, actually, Noor asked this question about, okay, how do we prevent that? Yeah. So for, is it for that reason that you'll avoid braided retainers? I generally try and Twist avoid them. Yeah, I generally try and avoid them, but you can anneal the wire. I mean, so you put it under some heat and then put it on. But you Let's need... make it really tangible because people actually want to know this, right? So the, yeah. way, the way I've done it in the past when yeah. I've had to use it for is I will get a lighter yeah. and uh, once I've got my right uh, length and uh, it's ready to place, yeah. I will um, just burn it until it just goes, I think it glows. Just about it glows. Just and about then, then wait, and I wash it. Just That's so, it yeah. And it turns a horrible black color. Yeah. yeah. But now it's no longer going to be able to impart a force. Yes. And you are not, you're, what you're basically doing is you're converting a specific phase of the metal. So you're moving from martensitic phase to austenitic when you put that heat. Uh, the only issue I have with it is that, has that worked? Has, is it enough? Now, on every year, I'll see about four or five patients in this situation where you start seeing weird torquing movements, etc. I haven't seen it in any of my patients. <sighs> Touch wood. Yeah, because I did use it quite a bit when I was just out of uh, university and stuff like this. But the other issue I have with this is that that retainer doesn't sit really nicely onto the onto the tooth surface. So you have a, almost a bulky appearance of the composite. And so when I mean, placing directly, when you place directly, when you place it indirectly, you tend to get a thinner version, you know, and, and you might get it a little bit better. But uh, the the best benefit I'm getting, I mean, best retainer I will say is going to be the flat uh, ribbon ribbon type of uh, uh, multi-stranded retainer and. Look, I don't know if we should be promoting one or the other and all that sort of thing, but uh, be very careful with anything too flimsy as well. Because if it's really flimsy, it's like the chain. Like the chain. Because the reasons why the, uh, the cast retainers were the best retainer ever was because they attached to one canine and the other canine and kept the IC width, the intercanine width, which is the first thing which collapses mm-hmm. in, in, in relapse. It's the first thing that starts to go down. Because what happened with the Bishara studies was that they said it remained stable. But the beauty of the Bishara studies, they made lots and lots of models of people over long periods of time. And you could start to see that the intercanine width starts to reduce. And if you look at any of your Invisalign cases, you know, when they send you for the clean check, if you ask for no IPR in the lower labial segment, you'll see they'll start to operate the intercanine width. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you want. And as you operate the intercanine width, and if you keep it that way, the upper doesn't collapse. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the perfect retainer would be trying to keep 
the the retainers, uh, the two teeth apart, are in the, uh, the two canines in the lower arch apart. Okay. So uh, what we're going for here is that the one that you are using, the one that you will teach yeah. the, the, your delegates. We're going to be looking at the flat twist. The flat, flat ribbon, and I'll, yeah. I'll show you the video of that uh, probably simply yeah. on your screen now uh, as, as we're talking, so, as my producer will put that in. So fine. So we know about. We want to know. We want to your question as well. How to prevent that from happening? Avoid the twist flex. Uh, is is this a, a, the most logical way to do that? And uh, we're going to show you step by step on how to place a fixed retainer. So Raj's going to go through that. How do you bend it neatly so it adapts mm. to the uh, embrace spaces? So um, usually when I'm, um, I'm still wanting to improve, like whether this is your first retaining in a place yeah. or the hundredth like me, yeah. I'm still not perfecting it. And sometimes I've, I've, I've biased towards an indirect lab-made one yeah. because they look so much better than my own. Yeah, yeah. But I want to be at a level where I can yeah. make beautifully well-adapted. Yeah. Are you going to show that? Yeah, we'll show that? you how that is. But there's another aspect of this which I think is really important. We must understand the more bends we put in the retainer, the more points of failure there will be. So I love retainers which go in all the margins and etc, etc, all that sort of thing. You want to keep it in the contact point. If you keep it in the contact point, there should be the least number of bends possible. Mm -hmm. Now, when we use the twist flex, I mean the, the one that I'm going to be showing you. The, uh, not the, the twist, the, like the, the ribbon. The ribbon yeah. type of uh, retainer. You're going to see that it actually is extremely easy to bend. Mm -hmm. And now there's a really important aspect of this as well. Because I use the least number of flosses involved. You can use eight flosses if you wish, I don't mind, okay, and all these sort of things. But if you use the least number of flosses, what you can do is test whether the wire is passive or not. Mm -hmm. You can release it and see where it's going. And you can bend it into positions little by little as it goes around the edge, if needed. If, but if it's not passive and you, when you release that floss, and if you're thinking, wait, wait where's floss coming into this? John, we're going to show you the technique and yeah. how we use floss yeah. to stabilize it. But um, if you pull the floss and then you let go and it moves, if you were to pull again and just bond it to that position, no, that's, then that's creating a force. That's creating, that's creating a force. Logic, uh, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. And that's why whenever you use this, I use the back end of a tucker. And you're going to be, it's literally just polishing the retainer onto mm. it. And you can release the floss and see how well that it actually does adapt because it's the material is amazing because it's it's really really uh, bendable so the austenitic phase is really high in this in this uh, material and the beauty of this is as well it doesn't cause any of this sort of movements which is the most dangerous mm -hmm. ones okay it doesn't have that twist twist uh, yeah, ability yeah, twist ability i mean so, so, so we're going to see how to um, yeah. adapt it so we'll, we'll uh, add that in i had an issue yesterday i was using that exact wire on the yeah. on the upper and um, i had the correct length all laid out I was going to go from canine to canine from up because I did some movements of the canine. Yeah. Uh, and when it was on the middle of, let's say, the right canine, by the time I brought it across the arch, there was enough vertical discrepancy yeah. that it was either going to go gingival yeah. or beyond the canine yeah. tip. Yeah. So is the answer for that is that in those cases, you have to go indirect? Uh, I, I was like, you, can't, you can't bend it So the thing way. is, the thing is this. The idea would be you start bonding from centrals and you work your way outwards. So the stress dissipation goes that way. There's another way that you can do it from one side, but there's a chance that you start canting the, mm -hmm. uh, the retainer. So the idea is to start in the, in the central and then move to the next central and just let, release the floss and see. Yeah, you will yeah. see that things are actually okay. They're yeah. But if it's heading towards the gingiva, you, you can't, then, in, in that type of ribbon wire, you can't then, or can you, put a, so, a, a bend that way. I'm trying to describe if, it. If, yeah, I know what you're saying. saying, because as it comes closer and closer to the canine, sometimes what people do is they do this, yes. and they, they merge it around. So if you start doing this, you start putting strain on this mm -hmm. point here. Mm -hmm. you, you might fracture some of the strings okay, on the wire, but the main thing is this. It'll allow a little bit of give, but if you're doing too much, then maybe it'll okay. be better. Now, if you're going to do anything uh, lab, I would say you want something which is cast and maybe machined. 
Okay, so like I think Memotain, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. uh, there's some labs which are actually machine cutting retainers into position. These are cast. sounding very expensive as well. Yeah, <laughs> those are the especially anatomy. Like we were talking about the different types of anatomy. Uh, South American uh, spine of South America specifically, you'll see this almost spade shaped, uh, spade shaped arrangements of the incisors. That's when you're like you're not going to win. You've got to do this lab, uh -huh. and that's a, that's a, a, a you know it's a one-off. But the thing is, yeah, that's where prices start to become a little bit more okay, okay. higher up. So, yeah, that that helps me in mm -hmm. that scenario. I know that I probably wouldn't have had been able to do it direct that one. So we're gonna see it step by step. We've talked about why it's becoming active and unraveling. Yeah. Um, so right, so last question before we actually get to more hands-on clinical stuff, which I'll be we will be filming for you guys to uh, get advantage of, uh, is those clinicians who are part of the protrusive dental community. So uh, shout out to Richard and Zach, two good friends of mine. Uh, they found that over time, their, all of their fixed retainer problems went away mm. when they stopped using them. And now they give a Viveris mm. three, or, or equivalent three sets of really high quality, um, clear uh, pressure formed retainers. And the onus is now on the patient. Mm -hmm. As far as the evidence goes, I believe that fixed versus renewable if someone, if a patient is really religious with their removal, as long as the retainer, uh, the, the removal retainer doesn't get damaged or warped or put in the hot water, as long as the patient's wearing it, there's no chance of relapse. Is that a fair statement? Uh, I, I don't think we can go down that path that simply because the fact is the fixed retainer and the removal retainer do completely different jobs. Now the removable, like if you talk to Rohit, yeah, and uh, he, he talks a lot about orthodontics being occlusal rehabilitation. And if you're doing any sort of denture or anything like this, what are we doing? We're impinging on this space, which is, you know, the sulcus and you've got your cheeks and you know, all these different areas, you know, uh, where we, modiolus. We never thought about the modiolus activity in orthodontics ever. And uh, the more and more we look down this path and we realize that the arch form itself is critical, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And now I have, I, I have all but praise for the Viveros, except one thing. The one thing I have, a, I have an issue with is them giving three. Now, there's a reason for this. What I've realized is that rather, when you start looking at growth and development, it is wrong to sit in perpetuity and think that there's going to be some sort of static nature in your whole career and life, and that's it. Your teeth are going to be perfect until you're in the box and you're going to say, see you St. Peter and say hello, and he's like, well done. All right? It's never going to happen, okay? It's, it's always going to be some sort of flux and change which happens. Now there's some change which is acceptable, and there's some which isn't. Now wear, of course, dental wear happens throughout life, and we always have that. That's not taken into account at all, whenever we use retainers and all this mm -hmm. sort of thing. And people tend to use retainers less and less and less and less and less, until in the end they're like, where is it? You know, where is it gone? You know, and that sort of thing. And then it's, it's so important to, uh, uh, rather in orthodontics, to say that you're thinking in the finite game theory, which is, that's it, I won. And that's my teeth, and that's how they're going to be for the rest of my life. It's a dance. It's always going to be here and there and here and there. You will lose sometimes. You're going to gain sometimes. Patients going to wear Going periodontal changes. Yes, uh, exactly. Well. And, and that's why I say, I need both. Fixed and removable have a, have a place to play. Now, if I've got a patient who's so good, and he's wearing Viveros, by the way. He's wearing Viveros. And he says, listen, Raj, I'm wearing Viveros every, every night. I'll be like, the chance of his teeth moving are extremely low, extremely low. And even if they did a little bit, which they will, in a, in a, in a, in a, a small level, level, right? It will not be, uh, it will, the case will be, still be a success because the patient will not once, notice it so yeah, much. Exactly, if he wears it once or twice a week at night, I'm like, 
Viver, yeah. Gen a normal Essex? No, mm -hmm. no, no, mm -hmm. no. Now we started to go into a dodgy zone. The the other beauty of Viver's is what? Of course, accuracy, robustness, you know, and, and all that. So if the patient is wearing them, I'm happy. My biggest failures with fixed retainers are not bond issues. Mm -hmm. They're wire breakages. Now, wire breakages happen when there's a force on the wire all the time. The and tongue. The tongue is the bug. You know, why don't they just... Do we really need it? <laughs> no. But do you understand? The tongue is the biggest issue. It keeps fighting the area. And if you keep pressing on it, yeah. and not only that, chewing, chewing, chewing. That's why those, mm. the cast retainers, which are only attached to two units, usually go through less stress than the ones which are attached to multiple yeah. points of failure can occur. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. So if someone says no to the fixed, I'm like, okay, Viveris, and you better behave. You know? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I like that. I'm actually okay. But till I'm like, you know, I just thought that don't give them three. Change it every three years or something. You know, change it again. Get a new one. If the accuracy is the key. Not when it has undergoes plastic deformation. It undergoes plastic deformation, the second one will not fit as well. Yeah, yeah. So there'll always be a little bit of um, something mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And so that's why even when patients come and ask me, Can, I've got my, my mold, can you make the, uh, the new retainer to this? I'm like... To my existing, my old model my from old two model years ago. From right? two years ago, or some even something like four or five years ago, and I'm like, mm, no, it's not going to fit as well. Yeah. Because it's always change. <laughs>
So when the floss was introduced here uh, and it was being placed, you were probably clo watching really closely. Okay, well, what's going on here? I don't understand. But now that it's in this position, i.e. you've literally just gone between the canine and lateral incisor on each side. And that's it. That's all that's happened so far. This is really easy. This is the beauty of this technique because what I'm used to doing is I'm putting these little loops in multiple different areas, multiple different contacts between the teeth and just overcomplicating it. I love this technique of just putting it, putting one piece of floss, not even two pieces of floss, one long piece of floss, okay, carrying it over, making two loops, which you're about to see. And this is just genius rather than faffing around with multiple different flosses. Remember that placing a fixed retainer is a four-handed job, okay? While you're feeding the fixed retainer through, it should be your nurse who should be helping you by pulling this floss. And you should obviously have this conversation with your nurse before you do it for the first time. So show them this video, okay? Let's train your nurse together before you actually do the procedure so your nurse is not looking at you funny like, wait, do I, do I pull? How hard do I pull? When do I pull? Okay, all those things should be known to the nurse before you do this. Guys, this is the most beautiful part in the in the sense that you're using the tucker and you're pressing into the uh, embrasure areas, in the interproximal areas where the contact is to create that little bend. Now, you don't want too many bends and you don't want too extreme of a bend. And so how can you ensure that the amount of a bend that you have is not excessive? Well, if you make sure that your fixed retainer is along the contact point, so it's not um, uh, too apical or too incisal, to the contact area. You want to keep it at the contact area. Therefore, it doesn't have to bend into the tooth very much, okay? Um, the other thing you could do is just lightly pre-bend your wire to the rough shape. That's going to help you. And then you're using that tucker and you're putting a fair bit of force here to just uh, press it against the tooth uh, and kind of bend it in each contact area at the contact uh, point. Uh, and that's what's going to give you that lovely shape that we all desire. Now, before you actually place the composite flowable here, here's what you gotta do, okay? You just get the nurse or yourself or whoever's holding the floss to just let go a little bit and observe. When the floss is let go on one side, uh, does the fixed retainer, does it sort of bend away from the tooth? If it does, then that is not passive. Okay, you need to do a bit more bending there to make sure it's passive. So an ideal retainer here is that when you let go of the floss, it holds its shape and it's not moving away too much, just like we discussed in the main podcast episode.
Well, there we have it, guys. Hope you gained a lot of value from that. Now, this episode happened because you guys voted for it. So I sometimes give you an option. Okay, like, do you want this episode or that episode? So it was a toss-up between fixed retainers uh, and uh, force and timing data when it comes to occlusion and why articulating paper marks are lying to you. And that's exactly what the next episode is about. It's about the T-scan and how that gives us so much more data that we can't get from traditional articulating paper. So do join that episode. And the one after that, just to really wet your website, will be the one with Devang Patel. Part three of three of full mouth rehabilitation. So listen, if you if you gain value from these episodes, if you're enjoying them, please do consider leaving a rating on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to it. Uh, and I look forward to joining you in the next one.